0: This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to Innovation in Compliance. In this podcast series, I will bring you interviews with some of the leading experts who are changing the way practitioners approach compliance. Although the name compliance is in the title, it's really about innovation. And I wanted to drive the conversation about innovation in compliance into the twenty. 30s and beyond with a focus on innovations for the compliance practitioner and the compliance professional. You want to learn how to bring your business into an innovative state and more innovative business solutions for compliance problems, issues, and concerns. This is the podcast for you. Innovation and Compliance is a production of Compliance podcast network in this episode i have steve vinsky steve is the founder of trestle compliance i visited with steve about his role as an outsource chief compliance officer having been in-house uh, for a number of years he brings a fresh perspective also leadership training that he received in the u.s marine corps first word from our sponsor ethico
1: In the intricate world of ethics and compliance, each second is precious, and slow case closures are more than just delays, they're missed opportunities. Enter Ethico. Our solution revolutionizes case management, cutting case closure times in half and turning every challenge into a chance for improvement. Imagine a workspace where efficiency and compliance coexist harmoniously. Don't just dream of faster resolutions, make it your reality. Visit ethico.com slash cpn today to book a demo and dive into our exclusive white paper by Tom Fox, 2023, the year in compliance. Empower your team with the tools they deserve.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I'm absolutely thrilled today to have Steve Vinzi. I've wanted to have Steve on a podcast for a long time. He has a really interesting career in compliance, and frankly, he's doing some really interesting things now. So with that somewhat enigmatic introduction. Steve, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. I'd like to tie uh, some of the remarks you made about leadership in the Marine Corps, particularly around leading men or leading your troops, to your work as an outsourced chief compliance officer and why the corporate employees who are the customers of an internal compliance officer are so important and how you're able to, to really use that leadership style to help show the employees that you're there for them, not the other way around.
1: Uh, thank you, Tom. That's You really hit the nail on the head of one of the potential real downfalls of any outsourced vendor, consultant, where you're quite literally an outsider who is now trying to influence the behavior of insiders, and you have that added sort of barrier, uh, and how do you overcome that? Again, the first and foremost thing in any human relationship is building a foundation of trust, of credibility. And what I try to do is to generally try to connect on a human level. One of the things I learned from the FBI and OIG investigators is that in questioning people during an investigation, you want to model the behavior uh, that you want them to do and get them to relax. And you talk about yourself as a human being, uh, and then you ask them to do the same. And invariably, uh, people love to talk about themselves usually, and it tends to break down barriers and you tend to find sort of points of common interest or common experiences, common things that you like as human beings, separate and apart from the specific reason that you're there together. And. I would have people come up to me afterwards and said, how did you find all this out from this person? And I said, they got to trust me. And so that's really at the core of it is that first, I wanna develop a human relationship with my audience. so that I share with them who I am first. I share about my family. I have a 12 year old little girl. I share some of the story that I shared with you to hopefully let them tap into their curiosity about who is this person that with this little bit of a, or in some cases, very scary title, and particularly as an outside vendor, it's founder, president, CEO, then compliance. Oh my God, the less time I spend with this guy, the better. (laughs) So to get past that again, try to humanize myself in a genuine way. And then the most important thing is to demonstrate that the compliance program is here to unleash their confidence so that they can exude, attack the marketplace with their skills to succeed. It's not to handcuff them. It's not to put a target on their back. It's to have their back, save their back, to prepare them, to know what the pitfalls are, what the minefields are, and then to be there to answer questions, to be there as a resource, to be there as a coach, as a mentor that ties their business interests and the company's broader values to what they're doing. In other words, to turn the perception of compliance on its head as I like to say jujitsu uses the weight of the opponent against him. And so I use the weight of compliance against itself and really surprise people and say, I'm here to make you confident, to make you uh, that much more capable of succeeding so that you know, where the line is, how to get a question answered, so that you can attack and be aggressive. And that's the key to success, is to have confidence and to work as a team aggressively. And again, it's very counterintuitive. You would think that compliance wants you to be cautious, careful. And that that's the biggest fear of most business leaders is that here's the line, and because we're compliant, we're going to be 10 feet off the line instead of right on the line. Uh, and again, I try to create a foundation of trust, a foundation of mutual Again, underscoring mutual respect. I really appreciate the skills and the challenges that successful salespeople have, they're out there on their own. First of all, out on their territories and they're often huge territories and they have to be excellent time managers, excellent planners. And then they have a small window of opportunity to connect with that target client, that physician, for example, and they have to be on, they have to be prepared. They have to be, connect on the human level, and then also substantively to not just talk about the benefits of their product, but then also under the FDA rules of fair balance to talk about the risks as well. And then they have to do all that and follow up and do that multiple times. It's not easy. It's a tough job, and they have usually aggressive numbers to meet. And they have all these pressures and the competition, and it's like the perception that Hey, all these other people are doing X, Y, Z. And I know you've told us we can't, why not? But again, it's to be a trusted, respected resource who has their back and respects them as, as professionals, but also as human beings. And then when something good happens, uh, this is the one ask I have of, of a, whom, whomever it is. And so there was a regional sales manager that reached out and this has occurred multiple times and said, Steve, your solution really worked. Uh, Thank you. This has been a real pleasant surprise uh, that compliance created a business solution. Uh, that's, and I said, all I ask is that you share it, share it with your colleagues so that we can replicate that uh, over and over again. So again, trying to understand, I asked the question, what is it you're trying to achieve from a business perspective? And then let's talk about how we can do that in a compliant way.
0: Why did you form Trestle and who is your, if you do have a typical client, who is your typical client? If you don't have a typical client, who is your client base?
1: I formed Trestle because I had been a a partner in another boutique consulting firm opening their Boston office. And before that, I was a senior leader in the life sciences practice of Deloitte. And before that, I was a senior VP, chief compliance privacy officer and a BP compliance officer. So I walked in the shoes of people that I supported. What I realized is that at this stage in my career, I was working many hours and I thought, you know what, I'd rather really mold it to what I wanna do. And that is support. A trestle is a support for a bridge. And what I, we like to say is we help clients build bridges between the realm of law, business, science, medicine, and when necessary government and we provide that support that strong dependable reliable support that they can lean on that they know that will give them the very best advice and again one of our taglines is that we provide the best thoughtware and the best software and the software comes into play with our corporate colleagues uh, and we're very pleased to have them uh, with one trust on the privacy front uh, and with core data um, on the uh, compliance uh, front uh, where they provide data analytics, uh, transparency, reporting to their superior software. So software is only as good as the people running it and behind it. So you need both people and software. So we provide that, but we do that because in my team, I have a broader team of people behind me that work with me, all very seasoned professionals, all of, with about 20 years or so experience and they do it because they love it. Same reason I do it. You get to a certain stage of your career where you your stuff by heart. You could recite it in your sleep. Of course, you always have to stay up to date with changing developments, but I know commercial compliance like the back of my hand. And it's a great feeling to be able to answer a question. Again, you have to do your due diligence and check if anything's changed quickly and reliably uh, and to be the source, the resource to that client. Now, my typical clients lately, I've served all the largest of companies, certainly when I was with Deloitte, the Pfizer's, the Abbott's, the Santa the AstraZeneca's, the Takeda's, all of them have been clients, but more recently, I've been focused on the specialty pharma, rare disease space, which is comprised mostly of small to mid cap biotech companies that are either preparing to pivot from an R and D organization to a commercial one. And, and awaiting FDA approval, or they have a product uh, that they brought online, but are still building out the infrastructure and are looking to bring on another one or two products. But that's the kind of companies that I've been principally supporting uh, right now. Now, in terms of support, we provide the whole complete slew of services from risk assessments and we have a proprietary software risk assessment survey tool that we use in conjunction with our broader risk assessment process to designing and building out from soup to nuts the compliance programs in terms of their various elements and then we can provide targeted outsourced services whether it's on field monitoring developing training developing an audit plan conducting an annual compliance audit and or As serving as an outsourced interim compliance officer that brings a lot of value in terms of the ease of turning it on and off getting a much more seasoned experience than you would otherwise have for a similar budget and that clients have found very attractive again my legal background and i'm actively licensed in good standing with the state bar of texas i don't generally serve as a lawyer but have on occasion as an in-house corporate commercial compliance lawyer. So we bring a lot of flexibility and the members of our team have unique skill sets, whether it's the videographers, storytellers, whether it's a retired investigator from the OIG, whether it's a physician in Paris, France, who led R and D operations or a corruption FCPA expert in Germany. We have multi-talented people readily available on targeted projects that we, uh, again, can respond quickly to. We hit the ground running. So saving time saves money. And we believe we bring the the greatest value to our clients.
0: Steve, you briefly mentioned uh, you do have to keep up with current events, new regs, or other new announcements. And I wanted to maybe, as we move towards the end, touch on one that just happened this week from... DHSS and OIG, a general compliance program guidance. It's quite an extensive document, but I was wondering if you could uh, tell us the significance of this document and really why every compliance professional, not simply in healthcare, pharma or medical devices or services really should take a look at this.
1: Yes, indeed, Tom, you bring up a a very important development and and here it is uh, in terms of the cover. And as you can see, it is quite extensive, I believe 91 pages. So, these compliance guidances have been around since the mid 90s, where the Office of Inspector General began a public private partnership. And I was fortunate to be invited to be part of that back at that time. And working with Lou Morris, who was initially the assistant general counsel, then later became the general counsel of OIG, together with some staff attorneys, most of whom have retired, but Mary Reardon is still there and is actually leading this effort and spoke recently at the 24th Annual Pharmaceutical and Medical Device Compliance Congress. These guidances over the years have really helped educate practitioners as to what the core elements of a compliance program are, the so-called seven elements that have been adopted from the U.S. Sentencing Commission, guidances that were issued in the, started in the late 80s and then into the 90s, again, broadly for corporate sentencing purposes as mitigation. And again, it's something to keep in mind that was in the context of sentencing and in criminal sentencing, it's pretty serious stuff. In other words, but this general compliance program guidance, uh, I, I really applaud all the folks at the OIG uh, because it, it refreshes and there. has been a great need to refresh uh, five years ago. I was a keynote speaker at a Congress at the specialty compliance Congress where I called a, a call for action. For fellow compliance professionals to work with the OIG and call for a refresh. I don't wanna sound uh, boastful, but I, I have had a tendency to be a little ahead of my time. So, in any event, I'm very pleased to see this. It's certainly high time. It's been a generation, again, since all this happened. And uh, again, what's important is to recognize the significant changes. Now, one of the things I called for in my speech is that, and I quoted Steve Jobs, where you can only control the present, so get on with it. And there are various other sayings throughout history, whether it's Mother Teresa or a Buddhist quote, that don't spend time dwelling on the past, theorizing about the future, live in the present, take advantage of it. In other words, shape your own destiny. And again, the concept of a public private partnership here, again, in the spirit of camaraderie, of teamwork, but again, of effective results of how do you make compliance programs work? How do you remove the fear factor and really strip out uh, all the uh, noise and get down to the core elements? Now, this guidance, again, is across uh, healthcare sectors. What they're going to do in their modernization effort, which, again, I really applaud here in 2024, is to focus on 11 different industry sectors, pharmaceutical being one. Now, one recommendation I would have is that they broaden that from pharmaceutical to life sciences, which is a change that's occurred over the past 20 years. Now, I've been involved with this. I helped write the initial draft of the medical billing compliance guidance back in 1998, working with a gentleman named Steve Davis in the office of inspector general, and then of course, 2000 the pharmaceutical compliance guidance. I remember sitting down with Lou Morris at a restaurant, excuse me, and sharing a couple of Coronas as he shared with me the initial draft before he announced it publicly at the Congress that we were at in New Orleans. Back then, but that was based on the tap case where tap pharmaceuticals had uh, settled for $885 million for improper sales and marketing practices. And that's where I was recruited to implement their very first compliance program and implement that corporate integrity agreement. Again, all of the experiences I've had to include these specific ones with compliance, guidances and the industry and seeing how they've been implemented or not over the years, the questions that have arisen. Where there are gaps, I'm excited to now address and modernize moving forward. So, uh, again, a very important development. One of the things Steve Jobs said that I referenced uh, five years ago was you can trust your gut and feel like you're at a precipice where history is going to change here before you. And I really feel like in the 90s, the internet and the dot com era just exploded and the world's never been the same. In the early 2000s with the advances of the iPhone and everything else, uh, the world has never been the same. So now we're facing uh, artificial intelligence and uh, all of these privacy data security threats combined with a, a really shrinking world where environmental factors and global tensions are affecting all of us. That this is both a very dangerous time, but also an exciting time to be alive and hopefully provide thoughtful sensible solutions that work
0: steve unfortunately we are near the end of our time for this episode but before we leave i wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself on trestle and the services uh, you and it provide what might be the best place or places for them to go
1: thank you tom Uh, first our our website at www.trestlecompliance.com it's a great source that you can learn about myself my team and the services we provide and you can send out an email at support at trestlecompliance.com. Uh, and, uh, we'll certainly respond quickly. Uh, another place is, uh, my LinkedIn profile, which also has a lot of articles that I've published here over the past several years. And that's certainly a place to go to. And then finally, again, just to keep you abreast here, my book, winning with compliance, uh, driving business performance with integrity published by Advantage Forbes Publishers, is targeted to be published and come out on in April and May. Well, stay tuned. We'll de- definitely have some events around that. And uh, it's really a, a collection of practical and pragmatic and hopefully interesting stories of things that I learned, some of which the hard way, <laughs> and hopefully some lessons that, that whether you're a CEO, a board member, a C-suite, or on the flip side, someone who aspires to that level as a business student, business school student, law school student, or an, even an undergraduate that you'll find helpful. I really believe in passing it forward to the next generation of leaders. And, and hopefully, again, uh, there's some real nuggets of wisdom there that people will find helpful and useful in their careers.
0: I'm definitely going to invite you back. To talk about the book before it comes out, the I hope our listeners will join our entire podcast series, Life Sci- Science Compliance Champions, Unveiling the Journey. This is the first of several we have upcoming. I look forward to continuing this conversation.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. It's been a real pleasure here meeting you and, t- and speaking with you. And of course, uh, connecting with your audience. So it's a real pleasure for doing so.
0: This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Innovation in Compliance. We've linked to Dr. Lazuni's LinkedIn profile in the show notes, as well as to aware.com. I hope you will check out their site. As I said in the intro, they're doing some very interesting things around biometric data and compliance. This will be the final episode for Innovation and in Compliance in 2023. I want to wish all of our listeners a most joyous and happy holiday season, and I hope you'll plan to join us in 2024 for Innovation in Compliance. Innovation and in Compliance is a production of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network.